you would turn with me to Galatians chapter 2, we're going to continue our journey here, verses 15 through 21. We will read this passage and we will continue with a word of prayer. We are Jews by nature and not sinners from among the Gentiles. Nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, so that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, since by the works of the law no flesh will be justified. But if while seeking to be justified in Christ, we ourselves have also been found sinners, is Christ then a minister of sin? May it never be. For if I rebuild what I have once destroyed, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly. Father, you know all, you see all, you know all the hearts. Lord, you have the power to save man, the greatest miracle of all. Lord, you are a gracious and mighty king. And Lord, I ask this day that you would speak through me and that we would know and understand what you've given us here. Lord, we have the full counsel of God in our hands, the word of God. Thank you, Lord. Amen. The Apostle Paul introduces a new word in this section. That word transitions us into chapter 3. That word is the word law. This is the Greek word namos. And in Galatians, this word is used to specifically describe the Mosaic law. That is the law that God gave to Moses by covenant with Moses to present to the nation of Israel. Paul uses this word 32 times in this letter to the Galatians. I counted. (laughs) The first time he uses it is in our text here in chapter 2, verse 16. Verses 16 through 21 alone This word shows up six times. And when you continue into chapter 3, he uses it 15 times, which is more than any other chapter in this letter. The reason that Paul is using this terminology is because, as we know, Paul is having to refute the false teaching that was being embraced by the Galatians and was presented by those that he refers to as the party of the circumcision. He refers to them in chapter 2, verse 12 as this. These men came from Jerusalem, 
and demanded that the Gentiles had to be converted to Judaism by way of circumcision and adherence to the Mosaic laws, ceremonies, and sacrifices to be saved as true believers in Christ. And Paul not only is specific about confronting this ideology here, that you do not have to be converted by the law and follow the law, but he also gives us a little more general in chapter 1. Go to chapter 1 of Galatians, verses 6 through 9. He says, I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is really not another. Only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. As we have said before, so I say again now, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, he is to be accursed. Paul says at the beginning of this letter that if you modify, add, or subtract anything, anything at all from the gospel of Christ, then you are cursed. He says he doesn't care if it's an angel. And we know that demons present themselves looking like angels, but he said he doesn't care if it is an angel or if it is he himself who brought the gospel to them originally, modifying this gospel. They're to be cursed. And this curse is the strongest curse ever proclaimed in Scripture. It is anathema. It is cursed of God. It is a special curse of God. Now we're seeing that Paul is introducing the specific terminology here, though, relating to the Mosaic law in our text here in chapter 2, because he is addressing a specific group of Jews that are making specific demands of these Gentile believers to conform to circumcision and adherence of the law and sacrifices and ceremonies. They're saying that they have to observe the Mosaic law. But they could not even observe it fully themselves. They couldn't even adhere to it. And yet they want these Gentiles who knew nothing of it to conform to it. This is clear, Galatians six, thirteen, when Paul says... For those who are circumcised do not even keep the law themselves, but they desire to have you circumcised so they may boast in your flesh. These people want to bring this message of circumcision to the Gentiles so that they can say that the Gentiles are following them. They want to be able to boast in this. Peter even made this point clear in Acts 15 which we looked at in the past year. Now, therefore, why do you put God to the test by placing upon the neck of the disciples a yoke which neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? Why the law? Why do they say that they have to adhere to the law when they could not even do it themselves? 
Paul, back in our text here, proclaims that even the works of the law that God wrote himself can't save you. Here in chapter 2, verse 16, he says, Nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, so that we may be justified in, by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, since by the works of the law no flesh will be justified. The law will not save you. Again and again, Paul is saying this. Galatians 3.21 here also. Paul says, Is the law contrary to the promises of God? May it never be. For if the law had been given, which was able to impart life, then righteousness would indeed have been based on law. Again, this Mosaic law, the law that God set forth. So the big looming question, why do we even have the law? If this is all works of faith through Christ, why do we have the law? That's a big salvation question. If salvation comes through faith, then why the law? We look in the Old Testament. There are two main covenants. You have the covenant with Abraham that simply says, God promises a Savior through the line of Abraham. This is a promise. This is a promise between God and Abraham. This was a personal covenant. Doesn't involve anybody outside of Abraham except for those in his household, which God told him that they need to circumcise all of them. And like I said last week, I would have had some objection to that of being an older man, but uh, that's my, <laughs> my deal there. But Abraham had faith in this covenant through his personal instruction and experience with God himself. He was given faith. And he believed that God would do what he was going to do. And we saw that with Isaac. When God told him to go sacrifice Isaac, he believed that God brought him this son and that with his faith, God would raise him from the dead if he sacrificed him. So we can see other personal covenants worked out through others in Scripture. We see it in Noah, Genesis 6.18. We saw a covenant between God and Noah. But I will establish my covenant with you, God speaking to Noah, and you shall enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. God establishes a covenant with Noah, tells him to build an ark. Noah does so by faith. And God destroys everything except Noah, his family, the animals that he was instructed to take. And at the conclusion, God establishes a covenant of the rainbow in Genesis 9, 8 through 17. It says, Then God spoke to Noah and to his sons with him, saying, Now, behold, I myself do establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you. 
and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the cattle, and every beast of the earth with you, of all that comes out of the ark, even every beast of the earth, I establish my covenant with you, and all flesh shall never again be cut off by the water of flood again. Neither shall there again be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, this is a sign of the covenant which I am making between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all successive generations. I set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be a sign of a covenant between me and the earth. It shall come about when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow will be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And never again shall the water become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the cloud, then I will look upon it to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. This covenant is to cover all of mankind and everything that lives on the earth. Noah and his family were the only people on the earth to represent all of mankind. And God promised that he would never destroy the earth again by a flood, given a sign that we see to this day, that is the rainbow. We see a rainbow, and by faith, we believe that God will fulfill his promise never to destroy the earth like this again. We also know that King David believed God by faith that the Messiah would come through his line. And these are personal and specific revelations and covenants from God. Then we come to the Mosaic Covenant, Exodus 19, 3 through 8. God establishes public covenant with the nation of Israel. Exodus 19, 3 through 8. When Moses went up to God and the Lord called to him from the mountain saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the sons of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the sons of Israel. So Moses came and called the elders of the people and set before them all these words which the Lord had commanded him. And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. This covenant is the law. It is to cover all of mankind and God puts a qualifier on this covenant. It is given to Israel. And he says in verse 5, Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my commandment, then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine. God told them that 
if you keep my covenant, if you obey my covenant, then you will be the possession of God. And his acceptance of this covenant, the people proclaim to Moses in verse 8, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. From that verse, through Exodus 23, God gave the commands of his covenant. He gave the Mosaic law. It was lined out. It was given to the nation of Israel to try to keep. The purpose of this law was to restrain the evil tendencies of man. If we look at Galatians 3.19, Paul lines this out. He says, and this is the big question, why the law then? It was added because of transgressions having been ordained through angels by the agency of a mediator until the seed would come to whom the promise had been made. If we look further down in verse 24, therefore the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith. The purpose of the law is to show us our sin, our cursed state. And it teaches us that we cannot save ourselves, that we cannot measure up to the righteousness of God. The law leads us to Christ. The law leads us to Christ. The law does not save us. Christ is what saves us. The law leads us to Christ. You could follow every law ever penned, and it will not save you. This is emphasized by the writer of Hebrews. Hebrews 10, 1-4, For the law, since it has only a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very form of things, can never, by the same sacrifices which they offer continually, year by year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered? Because the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have had consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins year by year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. It is impossible for the works and sacrifices of the law to take away our sin. The law is said here to be only a shadow of the good things to come. It was a shadow of the perfect and final sacrifice of Christ himself that saves mankind. We go back to Galatians 3, 21 and 22. It says, Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? May it never be. For if the law had been given, which was able to impart life, then righteousness would indeed have been based on law. But the scripture has shut up everyone under sin. Get that. The law shut up everyone under sin. So that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Do you know the law entices sin? 
Think of it. You see something that says you can't do this. A little kid walks by and there's a sign saying, don't step on the flowers. They never thought that they were going to step on the flowers until they saw it, until they saw that sign, right? Then what do they want to do? They want to go step on the flowers. Same with you and me. The law entices man's sin. It says so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. The law can't save you. No person has ever been saved by any work of the law. There's never been given a law from God that says, if you do this, you will have eternal life. If you in and of yourself go and do this work, you will have eternal life. God never gave a law that said that. Every law he said came with a curse. You better do this or else. You better do this or else. In Galatians 2.21, if we were able to save ourselves through a work of the law, then Galatians 2.21, this statement from Paul, would be true. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly. Christ died needlessly. The law does not negate the promise given to Abraham. The law does not negate faith. On the contrary, it was added to address our sinful nature. It was added to drive man to Jesus, who is the only one who fulfills the law. And he did it on our behalf. The law emphasizes the promise by faith. And it was only for a specific time. Galatians 3.19 again. Why the law then? It was added because the transgressions haven't been ordained through angels by agency of a mediator until the seed would come to whom the promise had been made. The law stood until Christ, who is the seed that was referred to of Abraham, fulfilled it. That is who that seed is, is Christ. And we see Galatians 3.16, Now the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. He does not say unto seeds, as referring to many, but rather to one. And to your seed, that is Christ. The seed is Christ. He's promised by God to Abraham. Since Christ came, he fulfilled the law. The law given to Moses does not replace or negate that covenant that was given to Abraham. Instead, it supports it. The covenant with Abraham, put simply, was a promised blessing. It's a promised blessing. God told Abraham that he would bless him. He would bless all the nations of the earth through Abraham's seed. God would provide the Savior to all that believe in his name and to all that believe the same promise that God promised Abraham. 
the promise of Christ, the Messiah, the Savior to all mankind. And the law emphasized that promise, and that promise fulfilled the law. There was never a blessing given through Moses. Not once was there a blessing given through the law that Moses was given. Everything was a curse. It was through Moses that God said, here's the law. You can't keep it. Therefore, you are cursed. That is why Paul makes a statement in Galatians 3, 13 and 14. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree in order that Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham, might come to the Gentiles so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Christ took the law and the curse for us. Christ fulfilled the law and he said it himself. Matthew 5:17. Do not think that I come to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. Again, the purpose of the law is to drive us to Christ, who in turn gives us his saving faith. And by that faith, we are saved. And we now have the law fulfilled in us. How do we see that? How do we see that fulfilled? We saw this last time, James 2.18 You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without the works. And I will show you my faith by my works. He was not talking about the works of the law. He was talking about the works that are fulfilled because of your salvation in Christ Jesus with the faith that you have. The law, which... These Judaizers, these men were trying to push on the Galatian Gentile believers. It's not something that they had to adhere to anymore. Christ fulfilled it all. That law is to show us our sin. It's to show us our cursed nature. It brings about repentance in light of that condemnation and that condition that we have. And through repentance, God graciously gives us faith in Christ. And in turn, the law brings about an understanding of the work of Christ. It gives us a heart of thanksgiving and appreciation for that work because we can't do it. It's only fulfilled through Christ. And it motivates us even the more to proclaim Christ to the lost and dying world because we have Christ in us and we know what it was like not. That should be a motivation. The law gives us that motivation to proclaim to a lost and dying world. And that is our mission here. That is our mission in the world, to proclaim Christ so that man will be saved. Let's pray.
Father, I thank you, Lord, as much as it hurts to look at our former life and how the law condemned us. Lord, to know that you have fulfilled that, you have saved us, you have taken the sin. Lord, there are not words to show that appreciation. Lord, I ask that we focus on you, we focus on your word. And Lord, that we would have a heart for those who are still condemned under the law. We would have a heart to reach them. Thank you, Lord, for everything. Thank you for your word, the full counsel of God. Amen.